Would you give it up for Michelle? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good evening, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for being here. Uh, not only for me, but for yourself and for everyone else here. And I'm first time doing it on the phone, so let's see how that works. <laughs> Experience strength and hope. I have to start out with giving praise to my living hope, Jesus Christ. Please allow me to encourage you that this program is all about God, his word, and how to get back on the path he originally intended for us, one step at a time. I started here for good, more on that later, in 2013, and who I was when I walked in the door to who I am now, I just have to say hallelujah and all praise to God. And this is my heart's desire that it would be less of me and more of you, Lord. So would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so good and worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. And I am grateful that you have chosen me. I am grateful for the work you've done and are continuing to do in my life. I'm grateful for each and every person that is in this room. I'm grateful for those watching online who couldn't be here tonight. I ask that you would speak your truth to them, Lord God. Meet them where they are. Remind them that they are fully known and fully loved right where they are. And I'm very grateful for this opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. 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 Phone already went off, dang it, okay. So my name is Michelle, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm celebrating recovery from chemical dependency and I'm working on the issues of adult children of dysfunctional families. Hi everyone. I was born in Castro Valley, California to Mitchell and Christine. I was their miracle baby. My mom was told she would not be able to conceive and well, God had other plans. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let me first say that I love my parents. I've forgiven my parents and they gave me the best that they could with what they were given and how they grew up. I was born into a family with addiction on both sides. Drug, alcohol, love and relationship, you name it and it was there. My parents were functioning addicts, alcohol and drugs for my dad and primarily alcohol for my mom. Nine months after my birth, my brother was born. It would be my brother and I for about 10 years until our little brother and sister came along. Shortly after my sister was born, my parents divorced. We have some pretty great memories and we also have some not, great, not so great memories of domestic violence, alcohol abuse, witnessing infidelity in the home, along with verbal and physical abuse to us kids. Growing up, we were raised Catholic. We made all our, I made all my sacraments, and I usually attended Mass. I never had a relationship with God, but I knew that he was there. Romans 1.20 says, <clears throat> For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. We were raised with the do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do mentality. When I was seven years old, we moved to Patterson, California. This move was for my family to have a fresh start. Alcohol, drugs, and domestic violence followed us here as well. This is when the verbal and physical abuse to my brother and I would start. 
This abuse from my parents cultivated my codependency, low self-esteem, and feelings of low self-worth. I thought if I could clean the house or set up a dinner for my parents, maybe it would make it better. Sometimes the house cleaning worked and made them happy, and I was praised for what I had done, not who I was as an individual. At the time, I thought this was normal. I would take this character defect into most of my adult life, and even today, if I'm finding my worth in anything other than Jesus Christ, it can rear its ugly head. As a child, I found comfort in food, and it didn't take long before food found comfort in me. I got pretty chunky, and this was great ammunition for the kids that I went to school with to make fun of me. I was teased and bullied starting back in the third grade through high school. I always remember trying to exercise, not eat as much, or just binge and say, forget it. I was always comparing myself to someone else and was never happy in my own skin. My shape was, uh, my shape was obviously not an issue for my male cousins. And for a short time, during family parties at my grandmother's house, my male cousins would kiss me in the bedroom. It started with one cousin and then it was three of them. This caused me to feel shameful. I felt dirty and I wanted to hide. As a kid, no one knew what happened. As an adult, I can see now that the, general, the generational sin of molest in the family was continuing. That generational sin ends with my family. At 15, yes, give the, let's clap that up, okay? Breaking that chain. At 15, my parents divorced and it was really messy. I started smoking cigarettes. I just grabbed one from my dad while my parents were arguing and I started smoking it right in front of them and my parents did nothing. And this was a turning point for me. I thought, what else can I get away with? If I'm not getting attention from them, I needed to get it from somewhere. My dad was kicked out of the house and I decided to stay with my mom and my three younger siblings. As long as I took care of the kids for my mom, her and I could be friends. But I didn't need a friend, I needed my mom. At 16, I lost my virginity, and for me, it was something that I had control over. However, once I opened Pandora's box of sex, I was out of control. I also made a new best friend, and his name was Al, alcohol. Once, during a party, I was getting drunk, and another partygoer took this as an opportunity to take me on a walk. I was raped that night, and the only person I told was my best friend at the time. I went back to her house and I tried to wash the dirty off of me. I couldn't get the water hot enough. My abuser would see me at school, laugh at me, and ask if I wanted to do it again. I felt like I deserved it since I went on a walk with him. After that incident, my promiscuity was out of control. I had no help or guidance from my parents, so I dove deeper. My senior year, I couldn't take it, and I asked my dad, um, I told him I wanted to live with him again. And so he came back to the house to take care of my siblings and I. My mom moved out, and I didn't have a relationship with her for many years after that. Her side of the family also abandoned me. Living with our dad, there were rules or a semblance of them. It was definitely better than before. The promiscuity, alcohol, and drug abuse continued. As a kid, I loved cooking, and I wanted to be like Julia Child or Ian Can Cook. So I went to culinary school. The only school to offer a degree at that time was all the way in Providence, Rhode Island. Perfect. I couldn't get far enough away from my home life. I started college ready to make a fresh start. <laughs> 
How much pain I could have saved myself if I would have known the saying, wherever you go, there you are. I tried counseling my freshman year of college and it seemed to help. I met a really cool guy from New York and he was respectful of me. We became boyfriend and girlfriend immediately. I clung on to that guy. He liked me for me and I could do whatever I wanted, basically wear the pants. And for a person who lacked control all of her life, I loved it. We had our ups and downs, but we always seemed to make it work. We liked to smoke weed together, drink, go to strip clubs together, and watch porn because I was the cool girlfriend. The drinking had calmed down for me, but I definitely liked to smoke. After a while, I wasn't comfortable watching porn, and it wasn't helping my low self-esteem issues. Crazy, right? Fast forward to my junior year, we had transferred to a campus in Charleston, South Carolina for fresh start. <laughs> um, it was a horrible experience for me. I had no other relationships except with my boyfriend, and as my insecurities grew, I grew in weight. Again, I looked to food for comfort, and it was bad. We ended up taking some time off that summer, and I came back home to California, and we kept in contact. During that summer, my aunt, a new born-again Christian, started talking to me about God and the Bible. I had never heard the gospel presented like that, and I was scared. I thought to myself, I need God in my life. I'm fornicating. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. My boyfriend and I got back together my senior year of college. I started telling him about God and said that we really needed to get to church. I graduated and we moved back to California. Within two months of being home, I dared him to marry me. And two weeks later, we were married. <laughs> we found a house out in the city of Action and an awesome Bible-based church called Big Valley Grace. It was here that we both accepted Christ as our savior. We were baptized together. We threw ourselves in the couples ministry. Huge mistake. I was living a works-based faith, finding my worth in the attaboys and the acceptance of others and not in my savior. We had heard about this new group called CR and we tried it out for a while, but I was still in denial, not being fully honest. I thought to myself, I'm good. These people are really messed up. <laughs> so we stopped coming and we were fixed anyways. So, um, our life went on and we had some time alone and then we had a baby. During my pregnancy, I developed a giant cell tumor on my right wrist. I had my first surgery when my son was four months old. The tumor came back four times and I had six surgeries on my wrist within four years. I was quickly hooked on pain pills. I developed high anxiety and I turned into an introvert. And if you know me, an introvert is not who God created me to be. <laughs> Things were still good, or so I thought, but at this point of being together for 11 years, I realized that I didn't like being in charge anymore. Our daughter was born and we were arguing all the time and we were so disconnected physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I felt like we were having the same argument over and over again. Can you say insanity? <laughs> My husband was deep in his addiction and I finally had enough. I was done trying. <sighs> the destructive issues that my parents had, the ones that I vowed never to repeat, I fell right into them. I thought this was the answer because I was gonna leave and I was gonna have that fresh start on my own, right? I was gonna do it right this time. I was so deceived. I had walked away from God, from my family, and our friends. 
I got into skydiving. I love airplanes, by the way. I was starting to feel like myself again. I was regaining confidence, but all in, in the wrong ways. I wanted a divorce, and I felt like we did everything we could. And why would God want me in an unhappy marriage? I pursued a job as a flight attendant. Our divorce was finalized, and we moved on. Not literally, because we still lived together since I was gone half the month, and we never had enough money to live apart anyways. Plus, we were going to be really good co-parents. And while the job was awesome, the layovers are what killed me. If I had more than 12 hours in a city, I was drinking. My old friend Al, he was back. At first he was nice, and we got along fabulously. But the longer we hung out, he turned on me. He left me with hurt and anger to deal with. Michelle, the fun drunk, had turned into the mean, sad, crying drunk, the blackout. How did I make it through that drunk? And that Michelle stayed at work for the longest time. But then she came home with me, slowly at first. But before long, drunk Michelle was pretty much everywhere, ruining family outings, events, physically fighting with family members. And unfortunately, my kids saw things that no kid should ever have to see. I hurt the people who love me the most, and I put myself in danger. In July of 2013, my dad was admitted to the hospital while I was away for work. I came home from that trip and went right to the hospital. He was dying. All the years of his partying and lack of self-care had caught up to him. He was 55 years old. Praise God, my dad had accepted Jesus a few years before this. We had my dad for 17 days, and on July 22nd, 2013, he went to be with the Lord. I was on duty that day. I performed CPR on him, but it wasn't to be. And I was just asking the Lord why. I was still drinking while taking care of my dad and definitely after he died to numb the pain of everything. But two weeks after his funeral, two weeks after his funeral, I realized I really need some help. My dad would say to me, Mika, you really need to get some help. Or he'd say, Michelle, you need to get your stuff together. He would either say it really nice or really mean. There was no in between with my dad. And his voice rang in my head and I realized that I couldn't let his death be in vain. The cycle of addiction needed to stop with me. Losing my dad was my rock bottom. I miss my dad, you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, on August 12th, 2013, I checked myself into a 30-day outpatient for alcohol. I thought I would learn how to manage my drinking. <laughs> now I know why my counselor laughed when I said that. <laughs> manage it, yeah, right. I was required to do two meetings a week, and well, back to CR I went. It had been many, many years um, since I had first attended, and the first thing that I noticed was that the people were so welcoming. I felt right at home this time. Now I could see myself in the messed up people from before, right? You know who those people are? It's me and it's all of you. <laughs> in a good way, <laughs> right? Because we're taking those first steps out of denial, right? We're being honest, we're wanting help and we're making changes one step at a time. And not only was there a place for me here, but for my kids to start to get the healing that they needed. I admitted step one quickly and reconciled my relationship with God. God had always been waiting for me. After my 30-day program, I kept coming. I quickly realized this was something that I needed for life. I started and finished a step study. I'd never got past step four in my step study years ago. 
This, complete step, this first complete step study was a chance for me to ke- commit to get it all out. I couldn't run anymore, and I didn't want to run anymore. This was my true, fresh start. Going through the study and God's word helped me see that my worth is in Christ and Christ alone. The step, thank you guys. The step study also reminded me that God had never left me. His hand was always on me. And it doesn't matter how many things I volunteer for, how much I do, whether at home or in public, my worth is not based on my work. It's based on what God has done. He made me and that alone is enough, especially since I'm made in his image. And although I'm truly thankful for my aunt witnessing to me, I am forever thankful that God revealed his loving grace to me. Because I, on my own accord, do not deserve any of this. But I am so important to him, as are you, that if Jesus died for me alone, it would be worth it to him because I'm worth it to him. I realize that his will is always better than mine. And it's amazing what happens when you're obedient and you surrender. Steps four and five, I dragged my feet on those steps, but they were truly the most freeing. The serenity prayer has also been very helpful for me and has kept me from having to do step nine quite as often. I told my ex-husband what was going on and how I was turning my life around and the method. And through it all, I still love this man. And deep down, deep down, I knew that if we both truly surrendered to God, God would be able to work through us. I prayed about it and I talked with my ex. He started coming back to CR as well. It wasn't all sugar and roses to start. Uh, we decided we would date and do things the right way. And for me, that meant no premarital sex. This helped me start the healing process on my self-worth and my past sexual trauma. We continued to come to CR and received outside counseling. And I am thankful to say that God has restored our marriage and we were remarried in September of 2014. The grass was never greener and God originally put us together for a reason. I've made amends and continue living out my amends with my husband and kids. And it's taken time for me to earn their trust back, but I have it, and I'm so thankful for a second chance. My kids are amazing, and I'm so grateful that they've had the opportunity to learn tools to successfully navigate life. I've also made amends with lots of other family members. At this point in my testimony, I'd like to add a disclaimer, especially for those of you who know me, and Lord willing for the newcomer, we're going to know each other soon. Because on a Tuesday night, I've had many people say, Michelle, you're so happy and joyful and energetic. Are you always like this? Ask my family. No. (laughs) But in all seriousness, because Celebrate Recovery is a safe place, because for me it's home, the home that I rarely had growing up, I can be myself here. And it's because all of you make it that way for me. You make it a place that I can be who God created me to be. I can be the loving, welcoming, encouraging, and at times, struggling servant that God made me. Thankfully, God in his timing is still working on me. Since my first completed step study, I've been fortunate to complete an additional three studies. Am I done? Far from it. Over the last nine years, I've had highs and lows in recovery. Sorry, it's really hot up here. Um, (laughs) It's true, if you're not working your recovery, you're working on your relapse, right? There were many times that I was back to the works, Michelle. And not because I was trying to earn God's favor. I truly love serving Jesus Christ. 
but I didn't have good boundaries. Just because a task is good doesn't mean it's best for you. Again, this character defect didn't just affect me, but my family and those I was serving. There's been times when I've isolated, stuffed, and tried to hide. Thanks be to God, those times don't last nearly as long as before. Now, I truly love step 10. We continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. It's very freeing, and it's the right thing to do. When you wrong someone, take ownership. This step has also led me to realize that I need further healing and recovery. The ACDF group, the Adult Children of Dysfunctional Families group, has been a huge help. God is so patient and gentle. He continues to peel back the layers, and I am grateful for the resources and the freedom that we have to do the work here. I'm looking forward to reading through the Big Red, the big red Book with some of you sisters soon. Details to, to follow shortly. Um, so we can continue to heal and grow together. When I started back in 2013, my first group was chemical dependency. And I'll tell you, slowly but surely, I've made my way through pretty much each group, gleaning and growing in each season. Step 12 has been an honor and a privilege, practicing these principles in all my affairs and giving back. I mean, what else am I really going to be doing? I, I love being with you guys. I love being with other, with other people. The Lord has allowed me to serve him in some pretty fantastic ways. Coaching teams that our kids were on, uh, youth ministry here at the church. I love investing in our youth, encouraging them in the word, praying with and for them. And also where and when I'm able, I share the tools that I've learned here. It's an honor to reach these young people with God's truth, positive affirmations and love. And it's all for God's glory and honor. Living out step 12 goes hand in hand with Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I've had the privilege to go on a few different missions trips, both locally and globally. And Lord willing, I'll have the, I have the opportunity to go to India to support and encourage our CR missionary and the servants working the 12 steps there. It's a joy and honor serving here at CR. I truly look forward to Tuesday nights. Currently, I'm on the greeting team serving with my husband. And we also have the honor of leading the first timers group once a month. For the last two years, it's been on our heart to support our CR missionary by hosting our Pasole event. Again, details to come soon for this event. Like I said in the beginning of my testimony, for God to take me from where I was to where I am now, all glory goes to the Lord alone. Yes. I give you praises, Lord. Praises, praises, praises. In the past, I've been on the food team, I've been a greeter, I've worked in the bookstore, I've served on our TEAM, I've been a small group and step study facilitator, and I've led our angel tree ministry. I guarantee there is a place for you to serve here. For me to succeed in recovery, I need all of you. Recovery has been a regular and Lord willing permanent part of our everyday life. 
It's been over nine years since I started this journey, over nine years of sobriety, and to see what God has restored in my life brings this verse to mind immediately. Joel 2.25, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. It's also been over nine years since my dad went to be home with the Lord. And I don't ask him why anymore. I say thank you to the Lord because he moved mountains in my life with the death of my dad. Of course, I miss him every day, but I will see him again. And I am confident that he'll be proud of the work I'm doing. Isaiah 61, one through three says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. To the newcomer, I'm thrilled you're here. Congratulations on that victory. Just make the next right choice and keep coming. Keep coming and praying for God to show you what he wants to do in you. He loves you, all of you, right where you are. Pray that God will give you the strength and the will to get here, and he will. Ask others to pray for you too. Think of the paralytic man and the faith of his friends. Get involved in a step study. Meet some new people, and remember, people are just as nervous as you are, so just say hi. We're a family here. We need each other. Unending thanks and praise to my God and Savior. To my beloved husband, Sean, I truly understand what in sickness and in health means now. <sighs> to my two wonderful gifts from God, thank you for your amazing grace with me. I love you. To my family, my sponsor, my stepsisters, and my forever, forever family, I couldn't do this without any of you. Thank you guys, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Michelle. We appreciate it. Let's give it up one more time for Michelle. Uh, my mind's still blown. I can't even, like, fathom introvert Michelle. Like, like <laughs> so I'll just take you for your word for it. If, if Michelle's story touched your life in any way, uh, and just thank her for her sharing her story. Make sure you uh, thank her and give her a hug and just really be uh, appreciative of all that she has given us tonight. Lord, thank you for that story. Uh, so appreciate it. If uh, you're online or you're with us today and you're heading to small group, here is our focus question. Did I do or say something out of fear today? Uh, probably. <laughs> so enjoy that conversation. And if it's not today, how about this week? Whatever it comes out, you know, just think about it. Fear is one of those drivers that we can all have. So would you stand with all of us and say the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, as Jesus did this sinful world as it is.
not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen.